0: Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about Aventure, a new platform that's making venture capital available to the masses. It doesn't matter if you are an accredited or non-accredited investor. Aventure provides an opportunity to diversify your investment portfolio by providing access to investing in venture capital funds. The Aventure app provides everything you need to make startup investments, including extensive research material, seamless transaction processes, and allocation measures. For fund managers, Aventure seeks to help you streamline your operations and launch your fund. Now, typically, venture capital and startup investments are illiquid, which is a major pain point in our industry. Aventure is fixing this by offering periodic withdrawals for its investors. I and many others in the industry are so excited about this launch. Their first fund launch is coming early next year. So if you want to be the first in the know, join their waitlist at Aventure.vc. That's A-V-E-N-T-U-R-E dot V C. Also check the link in the show notes. Aventure is a California-based fintech company and operates independently from investment advisors on its platform who may be registered as investment advisors in the US or qualify for exempt reporting status. Hey, I'm your host, Mike Gelb, and this is a Consumer VC podcast where we discuss the intersection of venture capital and consumer innovation. If you're enjoying the show, also subscribe to my newsletter at theconsumervc.com, where you will receive new episodes straight to your inbox, as well as a weekly recap of all the consumer deals that are happening. All content and episodes are for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not investment advice. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about Aventure, a new platform that's about to launch that's making venture capital available to the masses. It doesn't matter if you're accredited or non-accredited, Aventure provides an opportunity to diversify your investment portfolio and invest in private funds. If you're a fund manager, the Aventure app also provides everything you need in order to make startup investments including extensive research materials, seamless transaction processes, and allocation measures so you can properly diversify your portfolio. Now, typically, venture capital and startup investments are liquid, which is a major pain point for industry. industry. Aventure is fixing this by offering periodic withdrawals for its investors. I and many others in this industry are so excited about this launch, they are preparing to list their first fund in the beginning of next year. So if you want to be the first to know, join their waitlist at aventure.vc. Thank you, Yuri Dazomsky, for the introduction to our guests today, Joey Guerrera and Alex Dashevsky, founders of AirSign. AirSign makes tools for the modern living starting with their award-winning HEPA vacuum. We discuss innovation within vacuum cleaners and kind of dissect the category, why it took them years in R&D to really perfect their vacuum, and why they wanted to start their own brand instead of white labeling, how they approach marketing, positioning, and fundraising, as well as much more, much more. We cover a lot in this one. Without further ado, here's Joey and Alex. Hey, guys, Joey and Alex, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you both? Good man thanks for having us yeah thanks so much appreciate you guys taking the time so wanting to start from I guess the really very beginning how did you both get into design and consumer products was it something that you both just enjoyed and, and kind of discovered when you were you know very young and developed a passion for it or was it something that kind of came about you know later in life
1: I mean, for me, it's been since I was, you know, a little kid, I've, I've always been obsessed with things, objects, products, you know, taking things apart. Also, you know, Legos and all that. Um, my, my, uh, my family, particularly my grandfather, always had a real appreciation for, for the things that you own and have and love things of good quality and kind of pass those down. So it kind of created a, an, an obsession for, you know, these, these objects that, that sort of endure time.
2: For me, it was it was much later in life. You know, I think, you know, after having like a pretty a pretty boring business background, I decided to pivot over to to the design world first at at Gin Lane, which became Pattern Brands, and then through through that world, met Joey, and I have been obsessed ever since. I, it's it's a great community.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So how how did how did each of you actually get to know each other and meet each other? Was it through consumer products and and design, or was it through other means?
1: Yeah, I mean, basically through consumer products. Um, I think it was our friends at Doris Dev um, who who put us in touch. You know, they they make great products, and um, you know, I like to think I design great products, and and Alex is really good at uh, moving great products. So uh, it was a natural connection once he introduced us.
0: Cool, that's awesome. And I know that you know with Airsign, it was I guess it was incubated, right, uh, Joey, out of your um, industrial. Um, in industrial, like consulting shop, when you were designing design products for other, uh, for other companies, why? First of all, why the vacuum, and secondly, why did you feel like the va- Why did you feel like you actually wanted to build this out into your own brand instead of designing it maybe for you know another company per se.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. There's sort of like a spiritual answer and then kind of like a market-driven answer, right? Um, you know, I, we we design a lot of products, and it, it it really has to do with like we're a for hire design agencies. so people come to us with their their next idea, and I think I found over almost ten years that you know sometimes those ideas aren't so great, but you you, you kind of have to you know um, create these like diamonds in the rough from these very sort of strange ideas. Um, but then there's something like the vacuum, which is in like every household in America. And I feel like it's sort of this like overlooked, super useful product, like we all, we all have one, we all need one, we all need to keep our spaces clean. Um, and that's what got me kind of excited about having like the most impact with a product that I could get into as many homes as possible. Um, and I think like the, the, the market driven side was that, um, you know, there's not been a lot of new players in the space. I mean, the, the biggest company you can think of is someone like, like Dyson was still founded over 30 years ago. Um, and, you know, you you look around, you see these products just thrown on, the, on on curbs all over New York and LA and the cities I travel in. I thought it'd be really interesting to try to make something that was better and useful, uh, you know, for, for good value.
0: What did you think? Because I, what I do think, I'm glad you brought up Dyson, because when I do think about the vacuum and maybe innovation within the vacuum, especially when it comes to design and making it look really attractive, what did Dyson get right? And as well as what did you think? because there hadn't been maybe innovation within 30 years that, you know, maybe there was like a missed opportunity with them or maybe other players in the game that, um, that, that, that that you both were able to, to develop. I
1: think, I think Dyson really gets right. The, you know, they're, they're, they're very efficient cordless machines, right. They, you know, they, 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 they're really good at sort of making these tiny little parts that, you know, are great at kind of sweeping your floors. I, I think, I think unfortunately it, they they don't really stand the test of time in terms of the engineering. They're more about solving the immediate problems rather than the, the long term problems. So they're they're really good at this kind of micro engineering, but I think they're also really good at marketing. They're they they've made this kind of masculine design product that looks like a car engine and has all these kind of machinery looking parts that kind of appeal to, to to a really broad audience who wants to sort of like empower themselves to, to clean better. So I do think that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. That's a great point by Dyson. And so so it was almost like, you know, Dyson does a really good job in um, in designing to have maybe a high quality vacuum, but at the same time, in terms of like long lasting and being able to, um, you know, maybe last the test of time or, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, it's um it maybe maybe like misses the mark maybe on that in in that kind of capacity, and you thought maybe there was an opportunity here to to improve to actually have a vacuum cleaner that actually could last for a lot longer and actually be maybe a lot more useful in that in that
1: way. For sure they're, they're not advertising this is the last vacuum you'll ever need. you know they're, they're not going to go out and do that. Um, you know I, I think some companies could and I, I think I think we, we could, but I, I don't think that's what they're going to do. They release a new model every year if not more. Um, there's a reason for that.
0: So as you were, I guess, um, ideating and, uh, and also testing and seeing, you know, what type of vacuum, I guess, redesign the vacuum, thinking about uh, what actually makes sense, what, what would you like to see in a vacuum? that Maybe it hasn't exist yet. When did, Joey, did you decide that, you know, Alex was a great person to bring on and, and collaborate with and, and, and how did eventually this, this come into to AirSign?
1: Well, you know, I, I was originally introduced to Alex as an operator and as someone who could could kind of run our pnl and run our operations and could also begin to dip his toe into marketing you know i'm a design mind i'm a a creative mind but uh you know i I don't have a ton of operational experience besides running an agency um and immediately alex got it he loved the category he understood how boring it was and how exciting it could be um he liked our product which which also you know helped or at least at least (laughs) yeah exactly liked what he saw um, you know, I was asking around about Alex and someone said that he would, uh, run through walls for any startup that he worked for, which is like, that's exactly, you know, what we're looking for. Um, and not to mention he, he really cared about good design. I think a lot of people think design is sort of like a, a marketing angle for, for a brand or a product. But, um, you know, for us, it's much more holistic and a little bit more <laughs> on the spiritual side, like I said. And, um, it's built into everything we do. And Alex totally tapped into that.
2: Yeah, what got me excited too was just like how different our skill sets were. Like, there's very little that Joey and I overlap with, apart from you know the passion for the product and passion for design, which has been incredibly efficient when we're when we're building the business. Um, you know, you know, there's it's a very clear dividing line when something comes in. You know, who's who's going to touch it, and it's almost we're working autonomously at this point. Like, a, we have an unwritten language or an unspoken language where we immediately just can work it. You know, very in sync, and it's been great.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about the show about you know complementary skill sets and how it's so important, you know, uh, when it comes to um, co-founding teams. And it seems like you know, kind of on the creative side, the product um, side, you know, Joey, um, obvi- it seems like that's your your field area of expertise, your background. And then Alex brought him to be more of like you know the business side. How, what's our kind of go to strategy? Um, go to market strategy, and and you know how do we actually get? How do we actually? Um, get this into consumer hands and kind of also do that kind of maybe um, consumer education that you might need to do as well um, in terms of what actually makes, you know, a great vacuum and and why, you know, air might be the right choice for you at what point, like, and, and Alex, from like your perspective, were you kind of ready to leave pattern? Were you looking for like an opportunity to, you know, co-found a company? Like what, what was kind of your, you know, decision behind, you know, joining Joey on this venture?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I really was excited about starting something um I on my own was thinking about, you know, starting a company in the in the sexual wellness space. Had seen a few of those start to pop up. Um but really was, you know, looking for something that was very design driven and you know, I, I knew I needed to partner with someone who had that skill set uh and was a, a a pioneer in the space, especially, you know, in New York. Um so when Joey approached me, it was it was an obvious fit. You know, I I knew that that was a you know, much more exciting um vision than than doing this on my own and it was a great segue out of pattern and into air sign
0: and so how um when you joined alex where exactly were we on like the product stage um were we was the product almost like good to go was it still needed like several innovations like um, you know, and obviously Joey, feel free to, to, to answer this as well. Um, but when, you know, when, when Alex went the business, where, where was kind of, I know you weren't in market, so it wasn't really maybe a real business quite yet, but where, where were you at that kind of point?
1: Yeah. I mean, if I, if I recall correctly, the, the vacuum was still a prototype, so meaning it had been like 3d printed, maybe a little bit of machining. It was it with the factory, but it was like falling over cause of a weird uh, thing with the foot and, Um, I remember, like, sending a video to Alex, like, okay, this is where we're at. Like, we have this vacuum that falls over sometimes, but we're going to fix it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's at the prototype stage. I I think we had another 12 plus months of product development that happened once Alex joined, Maybe, maybe more, actually.
0: So what were, what were then during that kind of product development stage, Alex, what were kind of, you looking for since you weren't, you know, the product guy and you were joining this company in those kind of 12 months that, 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 that you were doing R and D, what were, what were the, what were the types of things day to day that you were thinking about?
2: Yeah, well, we were, well, Joey was busy making the, making the product a reality. Um, you know, I was thinking about how to get, how to get the product to people. So there's a lot that goes along, goes on to, to make that happen from, Establishing relationships with all of the vendors that we're going to use to move the product um, from China to the U.S. And then, you know, in the, within the U.S. of so the 3PL supply chain, thinking about building the website, um, making sure that all the functionality was there. took took a lot of um, what I learned from, from Pattern and Jim Lane, who are experts in that field, and, and was able to sort of leverage that knowledge and, you know, avoid a lot of missteps early on. Um and really, just thinking through the fi- the financial side of the business as well and making sure that we were set up for success
0: what what was was there a point when you got because I'm sure you're going through you know a lot you're on on a lot of different kind of prototypes and a lot of different um this vacuum cleaners kind of you know fir- first falling over, but we're gonna fix that and everything how are you at what point what maybe it was like an election point and and describe what was that like when you felt like you had even like the beginnings of what what seemed like, okay, this is actually going to be like a real product. Maybe you you did like a few test runs or like, what was that? What was that moment like?
1: I remember we got like a sample from the factory that was in one of our brand colors that we were going to do. Like in this beautiful green, which was the original color, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody. um, And, you know, I, I remember turning it on and it was like, it was so powerful. Like it really was like a different product than anything I'd, ever used. And the power was so obvious and and immediate that like, I I really felt like we were onto something like, okay, this thing will move dirt and dust. Like it's going to happen. Like that's step one. Um, and, uh, you know, all the, all the buttons working exactly as they're supposed to, and the, the dust door working exactly as it's supposed to, that was like a really special moment.
0: That's awesome. That's great. That's great. How, um, and also how were you financing this business? You know, um, all these prototypes at the time, was did you is this where you um were able to raise maybe some some outside capital were you self-financing um how did you also think about maybe capital structure in general?
1: Um well we we got our first check from John Nemanitis from Lake House Ventures. He's been an awesome partner throughout all of this. Um and we brought we brought him this idea really early days. Like, you know, it was it was like a business in an email, uh, like a a, a new vacuum cleaner company that was that was better and more affordable and we had good design in mind um and uh yeah so you know the first check kind of funded all this product development um we all agreed in the beginning that product was going to be king and that we were going to prioritize that above all else so um you know we, we started with a really good foundation in that
0: cool that's awesome that's awesome and um when you and how did you also design, was, was the name AirSign always kind of on the table from the beginning or how did you design like also like like the name of, uh, of the company as well as how did you approach, I guess, the overall, you know, feel and look of the brand?
1: Yeah, we went through a lot of different names. I, I think everyone does that, but I really like naming things mm-hmm. and I really think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's more important than, than I mean, maybe some might think, uh, you know, I, I was really excited. I wanted to give it something that was not an engineering style name that felt a little bit was like kind of kind of fluffy and on, on kind of from from left field in terms of what we were describing. Um, and I, I found it interesting that, you know, there's like, you know, I don't really believe in the zodiac or like these elemental signs. But if you did choose something like that for something so technical in engineering, you get a really interesting juxtaposition. Um, so I out I was an air sign and I thought that was, you know, maybe, maybe more than enough. And putting the word air with vacuums is really hard to tra- trademark, actually. So when you modify it with, with the sign, air sign, you get total clearance in this space. Um, you wouldn't believe how many names you can't get related to vacuums. There's a lot of uh, a lot of brand names are, are verboten, but um, air sign just immediately worked and like, we're off to the races. Um, and then I guess in terms of the brand's look and feel, again, we wanted it to be sort of um, divorced from like the heavy appliance language that's you know often very, very sterile, very technical. Um, you know you kind of imagine like transparent products and things sort of zooming around in bright purple and yellows and grays and blacks. And we wanted to do something that felt a little bit more. Um, Almost uh, like Herman Miller, something very, very, very modernist and uh, of an era of, you know, kind of capturing the, you know, the, the post-war period of, um, you know, people are keeping up with the Joneses, buying all these appliances. You think of General Electric's, you get these like bright oranges and browns and greens. And um, we kind of wanted to refine that and make a brand that felt very, very new and, and very, very um, contemporary at the same time.
0: That also, you know, makes sense in terms of, you know, how you, how you about, thought about colors and maybe just differentiation overall in terms of how you thought about the brand as opposed to what other people were doing, which it might have had a more bland colors, especially since you started out, you know, I'd imagine, you know, online only. And so um, to kind of have something that actually is sparks and actually looks, you know, quite, obviously the the product looks very suave, but also, you know, having like the actual design itself on the branding as well. um, Also, like, like just like, Go into like the product for, for a sec. Like what was, when you were designing the vacuum, did you go through different filtration processes or how did you kind of land on using, you know, HEPA filtration? Why didn't some of the other brands didn't use that kind of functionality or, or method and, or in terms of their, their, uh, their vacuum? And is it a lot more expensive to do it your way in terms of what maybe the the normal um, vacuum way is? Or like, we'd love to kind of just hear your rationale for that.
1: I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, you know, we had the benefit of starting from scratch. So we get we got to choose the functionality that we knew would work the best for our end consumer. Um, I think there's a reason why like 80 to $120 vacuums sort of dominate the market or they, they're not sealed. They're not have a filter. They, you know, they they actually can worsen your air quality. And when you really start out the out of the gate trying to make a fully sealed system that's going to run through these different layers of filtration, it's um it's a little bit more available to a you know a, a young scrappy startup like us. Um, so you know, I I, th- I think making the hard decisions in the beginning are what benefited us in the, in the long term.
0: Alex, when you were when you were thinking about okay we have an awesome product the design's great like the product works um um works and it it picks up everything you can possibly imagine and more how are you thinking about pricing and who the actual target consumer was and how to actually reach those consumers once you you know went through this lengthy pretty lengthy um you know r and d process um and um how did you just think about you know i guess the go to market overall
2: yeah, pricing was actually one of the probably the toughest decisions and most rigorous processes that we went through when when you know developing AirSign in general. Um, we did a ton of market research. You know, we looked at we looked at the landscape. As Joey mentioned, a huge percentage of the, of the market are these like eighty to one hundred and twenty or so dollar vacuums. It's like probably over eighty percent of the market. Um, and you know, it, at our core thesis of wanting to reduce e-waste, which is a huge part of our business is sustainability. Um, We knew we needed to make a product that was made with, at least in part, post-consumer recycled plastic and HEPA filtration and all the other things that boosted longevity and also like the, you know, ecologically minded version of of our product. So we knew immediately that we weren't going to fall within that that range. Um, Now, figuring out where we were going to fall was a big challenge. You know, you know, some of it, we just we knew that there was cost that was going to be baked in from the beginning, so we knew we had to. We were probably going to be in that mid range, um, but we wanted to make it as affordable as possible. So, you know, looking at Dyson, for example, where their vacuums are, you know, seven hundred plus. You know, in in terms of technology, we're pretty much right up there with what they are using on the from a vacuum perspective. But We didn't want to price the vacuum at seven hundred dollars because we wanted to, you know, anyone to be able to to get it um or at least a large a large percentage of the population. So, you know, we ended at that 295 um mark and we we also have a subscription component which which knocks the, vac- uh, the vacuum down to 275. And we felt that put us like right in the middle um but pretty close to those, you know, 150ish dollar uh, vacuums. It wasn't a huge jump.
0: Got it. No, that makes sense. So almost like thinking that maybe it could be designed you know i guess maybe initially but what maybe more broader you know if you maybe like that dyson um if you subscribe to me like the dyson um uh vacuum cleaner but this is obviously like a much more reasonable option uh for you and also much more long lasting as well um uh that's then then obviously you know air sign could be a great fit for you um, and, and, you know, didn't I guess, that market as well, since, since you are significantly cheaper than, than Dyson. I was, I was just looking at prices at Dyson's and it's quite extraordinary how much they, how much they charge. How also do you think about, you know, how long, um, your vacuum cleaner should, um, the air sign should last? Is it, um, what's, um, what's the hope?
1: The hope is about 10 years. Um, and that's from pretty, um, weekly usage. Um, and that's because our motor is rated for that. It's one of the first parts to, to often fail in these products. Um, and you know, that's with a huge benefit of not having to rely on um, lithium-ion batteries. So you know, Dyson's also sort of synonymous with, with the lithium-ion battery, the idea of this rechargeability, but there's a shelf life to those types of components. So um, pretty much put the best components we could put into this product to ensure as much longevity as possible. Um, it's also repairable. So there, this, 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 product can be easily disassembled and parts can be replaced. Um, and that's something that, you know, is, is exciting to us as we grow as a brand is, you know, perhaps the ability to kind of service these products one day and then kind of continue to, uh, keep them in, in, in people's homes.
0: Was it, was it difficult when you, I guess, raise another round, um, and, um, convincing investors that, um, you know, this is a product that's gonna last for a long time, 10 years, you know, okay, that's great. It's going to last for 10 years. It's, it's, you know, a wonderful product. It's, it's, it's also cheaper and great. But what are, what are also going to sell to consumers? What are you also going to kind of as well along the way, um, that, that can, you, you can kind of cross sell or upsell, but actually then, um, uh, then, kind of, th- then I guess keeps the consumer in the mix for those, you know, ten years or so, rather than just have them having to make that another big purchase of Airside. How did you think about like that part of the business too?
2: Yeah, well, we, we think about it in a few ways. You know, obviously, there's there's some LTV driven through the subscription program, um, which is you know we think is a big investment, obviously, but is so worth it because it's the reason that your vacuum lasts so long. You know, it's the dust doesn't get into the motor. And and make it break down, which is a lot of the issues that that other vacuums have. So it's it almost like a co-investment um, between us and, and the consumer to you know in, invest in that vacuum lasting ten, maybe even fifteen years. Um, but you know, on on top of that, you know, we we have the benefit of being a design studio. Um, you know, we have a ton of products around air and you know air adjacent that that we want to tap into, um, and you know. We, we want to be a holistic suite of, of products that have all the same tenets around sustainability and longevity um, and just beautiful designed and well-made products.
0: Do you see as the vacuum as maybe like the entry point for you all into get into the home and get into the appliance and then you thinking about also releasing other appliances down the road?
1: For sure. I think this is a great sort of, um, yeah, tip of the spear. It's a really complex product. And once we, you know, as we're winning over these consumers and showing us showing them how we can do these really, you know, complicated, sophisticated appliances, you know, we can then get, you know, easily convince them to buy the next thing. That'll also be an amazing surprise and delight type of home tool and appliance. Um, I actually think everything should be easier after, you know, our first product being a vacuum. Um, it's definitely the most complicated that we've ever approached. So I I think there's some other obvious candidates for redesigns that, um, Will be will be fun and beautiful and um, even less moving parts.
0: I, I heard it about you know the, as you mentioned the the vacuum and how you were particularly excited about the vacuum because there really hasn't been much innovation within the vacuum within thirty years and maybe you can't comment on this because maybe you already I'm sure you have other ideas in terms of what categories are really compelling to redesign. But to you as you do kind of your market research and think about what other categories in the home needs to redesign, how do you actually establish or conduct that that market research?
2: Yeah, well, you can actually see how many, there's research on how many products are in in everyone's home. There's actually more than one vacuum on average in in someone's home. Um, so, you know, some of the things that we look for are you know prevalence in the home and also like the the TAM as well, just like how how much of this stuff is moved every year. Um, but, you know, at the, at the root of it all, we need to both be personally excited about it. Um, and, you know, we, we need to think that we can make an actual difference in the product. So the vacuum is a perfect example where there were so many things wrong with it um, and it was contributing to the, you know, lack of sustainability in, in the space that, you know, we knew we wanted to go after that. There's a host of other products that sort of fit that bill. Um, so that's at the core of it. But, you know, also we, ha- we have to keep keep a pulse on the market size and and making sure that, you know, the opportunity is big enough for AirSign.
0: How also did, have you, when you launched, how did you think as well about Euro? sales channels and actually having uh customers discover and find air sign um what what did you, how did you also think about partnerships too um whether that was um eventually maybe retail partners or or a wholesale business or just you know your direct-to-consumer business or um just would love to kind of kind of hear you touch on that too
2: yeah we wanted a foothold in direct-to-consumer you know as our main driver from the beginning um you know there's there's a lot of with any business a lot of learning that you do with your first, you know, fifty, hundred, thousand customers, um, and we wanted to just nail the experience and and have that channel be fully owned. So that's that's where we started. Um, but we quickly realized that there's a lot of natural partners for AirSign on the retail side. Um, you can find AirSign in the in the Moment Design Store, for example, which is a, a very natural dovetail for us, given the emphasis on design. Uh, And keeping a a clean and and orderly home, which is something that, you know, both of our both of our brands really uphold. Um, But, you know, we are looking to the future and wholesale is absolutely something that, you know, we we want to take part in. We've had some early conversations um, with some big box retailers um, that we're that we're excited about. And, you know, we also aren't putting off the potential of incubating one of these products alongside of them. You know, again, like a, a core competency of ours is being able to spin up these products um, much more quickly and much more affordably than than someone else starting a business of the same caliber. So, um, yeah, no, it, it, we really want to eventually be available to, you know, in mass market retail, um, but also execute really well on the D2C side.
0: That makes sense because you don't actually need a partner with an industrial design firm right? Because you, you, you are, you have an a industrial designer right there. So um that also makes sense how you can also spin up other products. Um, Not, it's never easy, but, but, uh, but easier than other, other people and also uh, other companies. And also then it's, you're really, it's your own IP. You really then understand the product inside and out and you don't need to, I guess, rely um and outsource that entire process, which, you know, that is like a pretty, big competitive advantage when it comes to product if you believe that your product does have, does have a competitive
1: advantage. For sure. It, it definitely helps you gain like an internal conviction when you can kind of create a, a visual representation of what the product can look like in a few hours and, you know, send it around internally, send it to an investor. You, you know, you can get excited really quickly. And from there, you can, you can move pretty quickly.
0: When we think about, you know, the direct-to-consumer channel, um, there's a lot of Um, it's, you know, Facebook ads, there's, you no longer have arbitrage opportunities and, you know, um, Google's now, now becoming pretty expensive. How did you think about overall your marketing spend versus, you know, organic and, um, and I guess your kind of ratio between the two?
2: Yeah, we are big believers in organic. Like, you know, at the end of the day, we've, we've been down the road. We see, we, we know the game that you play with paid marketing that is, Sort of an unhealthy relationship in the long term. Um, you know, so we, we are pretty, pretty much wholly organic. Um, you know, we had, we had some paid marketing at the beginning, really just to kick off the buzz, um, and, and spend some money there. Um, but we want to make sure that, you know, we own the customer. Um, our customers find us. They love us. You know, there's besides the economic advantages of that, you know, we think long term, there's a ton of, um, just relationship building that we can do with that audience that you can't necessarily do with paid audience. Um, you know, I, obviously in the future, we're going to mix in paid, uh, as well. It's, you know, it's, and, and also the other like affiliate, you know, other, other channels that we've had on and off throughout the past few months. Um, but you know, the organic stuff is, is super exciting for us. And, and seating has been a part of that strategy. Affiliate, as I mentioned before, um, you know, influencers, just getting the product out there without relying on the, Tech giant dollars.
0: How how also has impactful? I know that your company um, Airsign has won you know a few awards now, quite quickly, um, as well as you know one of the most innovative companies or the most innovative company in fast company 2022, right in the home category. How impactful has those awards been when it comes to actually converting customers and actually getting? getting, I guess, more organic traffic and even maybe converting that into sales when it comes to sign.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely like a stamp of approval from, you know, uh, publications that people respect. So it's, it's, it's super helpful from an SEO point of view. It, it's something that you can kind of point to when, uh, sort of a North star for, you know, what our brand is all about and what our product's all about. Um, and I, I think, PR in general has been an incredibly powerful tool for a brand like us. And again, I think that's because design is built into it. Um, I think people really respect good design and want to want to talk about it. And I think that's how sort of consumers can find someone like us in, a, in an organic way. Um, so, you know, there's there's a million more uh, you know, design awards to apply for. Uh, and, you know, I, I think we, we'll probably keep at it because Michelle um, sure will keep coming.
2: There's also been like a fun, you know, this isn't specifically a design award, but there's been a fun stamp of approval um, from some of the, I'll, I'll call them you know, vacuum vacuum nerds, vacuum experts. There's a community out there of very, very diehard vacuum fans that have been, you know, around vacuums, either repairing them or, or rebuilding them since the 50s. You know, the vacuum is sort of like this iconic um, machine that, that, that a lot of people really love. Um, so getting a rubber stamp of approval from, from some of those folks, whether it be on, on Reddit um, or on YouTube, there's, there's vacuum reviewers there as well. You know, that has been actually a, a, a very big source of traffic for us um, because you know, when people do research on vacuums, which is a heavily researched purchase, you know, they find those forums where they're discussing air sign. And you know, that's been just as exciting of a rubber stamp than, than something like a fast company. They're, they're both really powerful.
0: I was about to say, are there like subreddits as well that are, you know, very like vacuum focused and they're, and they're very, you know, very interested in terms of, you know, what, what is like the best or the perfect vacuum?
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of our early research started on Reddit and, um, that's, you know, found kind found of like a vacuum repair forum explaining what breaks on most of these machines and which products they recommend to their customers. And it was really interesting because they're brands you wouldn't really think of that, that people say are the best. And, um, you, know, you you learn a lot uh, at looking at where the bar is set and how you can how you can kind of achieve better or or, or get somewhere on, on the same level, but again for a more affordable price. And now we're back on Reddit, right? And we're reading about the existing product, and it's helping us inform us our, our next products that we're going to make and accessories for this one. And um, you know, it, it's it's a really you know it's a, it, they're tough critics, but you get to get to learn a lot, and it's a helpful dialogue.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a great place to. Learn from people that are really passionate about these issues and as well as, you know, almost like having a community of people that were, Hey, maybe that actually becomes like your feedback loop, um, where you actually can, um, where, when you maybe release new products or something like that, that people are, if they're, you know, interested in vacuum or also maybe then other appliances in the house, then, you know, you, um, then you can actually, then you actually gauge um, is this a product worth worthwhile or what we can do to um, what do you like and not like about the product? So um, has that been, has that been pretty helpful? W- w- I mean, cause like that's, you know, incredible about the DC channel being able to have that be the back loop that you don't get in wholesale or, or, or retail.
2: Oh, it's so helpful. And people are very vocal, which is great for us. Like, you know, it, whether it be feedback or just glowing reviews, which, you know, obviously are a little bit easier to swallow. Um, but they're, they're, uh, um, it, it's, it's really fun to engage with customers. Like we're like Joey and I are personally on our CX channels all the time talking to people. We get on FaceTime with customers and show them how to repair a part of the vacuum. Um, you know, we're going to be like, Hands as hands-on as we can because that's what we're going to learn. Um, you know, we, from from Reddit, we called, uh, you know, a vacuum expert, a vacuum repair person who's become, you know, a, a sort of pseudo-consultant for us on thinking through the accessories that we're going to offer next and and how we can improve little design elements of the vacuum currently um, that we implemented as, as we place new orders. So, you know, it's been a really fun channel for us and one that we hope to continue to tap into as we grow.
0: Was there a part after the product was launched, where you felt like, hey, maybe we missed the mark on here, could be the product could be like an element of the product, it could be, um, it could be some, some other, uh, maybe like a UX part on the website, or, you know, any type of just any time, anything with AirSign that you felt like you maybe missed the mark that you learned, you know, kind of um, had to learn quite quickly, you know, as, as entrepreneurs.
2: This was subscription was—we didn't launch with subscription. You know, we started the the vacuum was was two ninety five. That was that was it. Um, you know, we had the package where you could buy the HEPA filter and the bags um, together at a discount, but it was not something that we offered out the gate. So, you know, we we knew what we, we went back and forth a lot before we launched whether or not to launch with it. We didn't want to confuse the earliest customers or because or, no one subscribed to their vacuum before. It's not something that's innate. Um, but People were asking from day one can I can I subscribe to the backs? can I subscribe to the backs um, and we knew that was something that we we probably should have launched with if we were looking back on um, and now we we're, we're at if we're not at hundred we're at ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people subscribe um, it's like I've never seen a subscription rate that is as high as ours it's it, it actually is a hundred percent
0: that's incredible because what I've heard from brands that especially introduce a subscription, it is so hard, you know, because you think, Oh, it's just like a SaaS company or something. Right. But it's so hard when you have a consumer product company to actually get that consumer in their head thinking, okay, no, let's actually do a, do a uh, subscription. I I do think there's going to be more subscriptions coming like in different categories and, and consumers are going to be more comfortable um, subscribing to physical goods. Um, But it's, it's been a challenge for brands, I think, um, to try to actually get the customer to, instead of just doing a one-time purchase, a slight, a, a slight discount to actually buy into a subscription. And it's great because then you don't have to, you, you set it and forget it.
2: I think a big part of it, not to pat ourselves on the back here, but like, I think, I think a big part of it is just the way it's positioned on the site. Like, I think that it's just very clear that this is a better deal. Um, and we give them the flexibility, like we're not immune to churn, you know, we're not, we're not Superman. Um, but like, you know, there's, there's still some churn, but like in terms of the, the first step, the first interaction with AirSign, it's, it's at 100%. Um, and then from there, we, we let them manage the subscriptions as flexibly as possible. We really have no role. So they can go into their account, move their subscription up, back, sideways, like, the, you know, they have full control because we want that part of the product because it's a co-investment in the long term, like the long term lifespan of the product. We want that part of the business to be as frictionless as possible we know, you know, you need the bags to operate the vacuum and we want them to be there when you need them and not have to think about it.
1: Also not to get too in the weeds, but I mean, these bags make it, things a lot easier. Like you never like touch the dust or see the dust. Like it goes into a little paper bag that's compostable and you just like seal it up and throw it away. And I think once you, know, you do that, instead of like shaking out a clear can with all the dust going up in your face, it, it's, it's just so pleasant. I think people keep coming back just for that.
0: What do you think like the next like I guess 5 10 year horizon looks like? I know it's these things are always hard to predict especially as a young emerging company, but what what do you think that kind of looks like for for AirSign? Are we going to see AirSign in uh, um a lot more at itemat- a are we going to see in, in a lot more retail channels? Um is it going to be double down on the on the uh, on the s- subscription business? Where do you is it going to go international? How do you how do you think about uh, about airtime in the next like five ten years? Would you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think uh, you know a bigger retail partner would be would be something on our definitely in our future and on our radar. Uh, most vacuums are actually purchased at big box stores, so there's some obvious candidates for for that. Um, you know, and then I think more products and more products that are that are just as good, if not better, that solve problems for our users. I, I, w- I would love enough products that we, we have our own little store somewhere because you go in there and you sort of see a whole air sign world of products that are, are, are better and are, and are beautiful and c- kind of, you know, have this Zen-like quality that is just sort of indicative of, of this brand we're building. Um, you know, I, I almost think of like the opposite being like walking to Bed Bath & Beyond, you just your eyes glaze over with all the products and appliances and, you know, pressure cookers and, you know, Air purifiers and like, who makes all this shit? Like, it it, it can't all be good, and I, I would assume most of it isn't. Um, so there's room for for something better. So that's that's where I'm hoping we're headed.
0: Great, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I, I guess simplicity in terms of releasing, you know, products in different categories, but but make it actually but maybe one product or only a couple products in a category make it make me kind of simple. And yeah, I mean, that's awesome as well. You know, having your own retail stores or, 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 outlets or, or even pop-ups where actually then you're able to display all your products that are in, you know, multiple categories and make it, you know, quite, quite simple. And I'm, I'm sure, um, beautiful. So, um, cool. Uh, for each of you, what's, what's one book that has um, inspired each of you personally and professionally throughout, throughout your, your journeys?
2: Um, you know, one that I, that I'm, you know, actually reading right now, it's been, I'm almost done. It's been extremely, uh, interesting. It, it's called How to Not F Up Your Startup. Um, it's, you know, I think professionally, it's something that you've got to keep in the back of your head all the time. Um, you know, there's missteps that are small and you can come over and then there's missteps that are hard to come back from. Um, so that's one that I, I really love on a personal front. Um, I think I, I'm, this is a really nerdy answer, but Harry Potter, you know, it's greatest, greatest thing of all time. I have to read it once a year, all seven. I'm sure someone said that before, but I'm going to get on that train.
1: You know, my, my book's pretty, uh, you know, it's a bit, bit trite, but I actually started reading the Steve Jobs book as I was building Irsign. Um And I, you know, first few pages I thought it to be a nice story, but what really emerges is Jobs was like really a hardware guy. He was obsessed with the package that everything came in um, and really refining that down, you know, that you know the computer down to being something that was, you know, simple, beautiful, accessible, and then beginning to treat software in the same way. The idea of the desktop is really a reference back to, to hardware, the physical world. So, you know, he's really a, a very design obsessed person be- almost before anything else. I- innovation came with that. But um, as we're building this vacuum, that was getting smaller and, and better and, and and sleeker and smoother. Um, I just I, I liked that there was sort of a, a precedent for that in, in in terms of of market success. So
0: cool, cool, really excited to add um, all all three of these books to our list. This is great, um, Joey and Alex. This has been so much fun. Thanks again to you both so much for your time. Of course, thank you. Thank you, Mike. And there you have it. It was terrific chatting with Joey and Alex. Really appreciate them coming on the show and talking about AirSign. If you're enjoying the show, highly recommend subscribing to the newsletter at theconsumervc.com. Thank you. Have a good one.